1: the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This is March 28th, and this is the Bruins Beat, presented by FanDuel on CLNS Media welcome to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, hope you guys are having a great day. A great week, and on this episode, Connor Ryan and I get into this past weekend, which was quite a weekend for the Bruins. Feels like there's been a lot of these this season. They continue to impress, incredible wins. We get into the the nitty gritty of each win and what to take away. Obviously, they won both games. That's great. Good opponents, but we know they're good. Why are they even better now from those games? We get into that. We also get into Mason Lowry potentially. Again, this is being recorded uh, Monday afternoon. So no news has come out yet, but uh, we talked about Mason Lowry, his future, uh, what he might mean to the Bruins if and when he signs, uh, and we get into all of that. We also get into Oscar Steen, who has did a pretty good job on Sunday of making a case to be in the lineup next year. Probably not this year, but next year. Uh, we in, And again, with the Lowry talk, we also did kind of discuss the future, what he means to them, not just this year, but next year and beyond? Could he potentially replace somebody uh, that's currently there on the back end? So we get into all of that on today's episode. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan presented by FanDuel. Connor, what is up? Evan,
0: I'm doing well. How you doing?
1: Doing great. Doing great, Connor. I think I know why you're doing so well. I think I know the exact reason. There's one reason I can pinpoint, and that is that your BU Terriers are headed to Tampa Bay for the 2023 Frozen Four. It's got to be a good feeling, as you predicted, unbiasedly. No bias in that. No bias at all. You you saw ahead.
0: Um, You know, I think, Evan, it's, you know, the job's not done. uh, Staying fixated on the goal at hand. Not surprised. Uh, you know that that they punched a ticket there. It's par for the course for an institution like this. A fantastic program located in the heart of Boston. Great campus, not in Newton. Um, doesn't say they're from Boston. Um, it's it just it, it's what it's what's expected right now, right? It's like waking up and you know the sky being blue. It, it's I, I'm not there's no revelry uh, from this camp right now because it's it's what's expected here. It's like you're expecting Lane Hudson to put up another like three point game uh, on a national stage. It's just what's expected. So um
1: no more declarations. It's just taking care of business. TCB taking care of business. Uh and Minnesota, that'll be a tough first round or frozen four matchup on the semis. But that's the good game. The good game. I think we know who you pick in that game. But uh excite, exciting frozen four, be you aside. Uh good teams this year like high-end top prospect kind of teams um, and BU Jay Pandolfo head coach, former Bruins assistant. So good to see him doing big things and putting that team and anytime, together.
0: And anytime you have uh, uh, institutions like Ohio state and Penn state take L's, it's was a good day. So
1: it is, it is. I must admit it did make, it did make me smile. Obviously BU is a UMass hockey East rival, but I always root for Hockey to to be there somewhere in the Frozen Four. Unfortunately, couldn't happen last year in Boston. Probably best for BU. They weren't in the Boston Nash uh, in the Frozen Four. But that's okay. They're in what it do this you mean? year. What are you talking uh, about? By the way, I'm not talking about anything. And Lane Hudson, as you said, whew, when he starts tearing it up for the Canadians, oof. Oof, that's when it's going to come. Right back to bite you. Um, but hopefully he takes another year at BU, I would hope. most. I like – I like defensemen to take two years in college first because a, a certain guy did that and it worked out so well. So that's my for the rest of my life. Two years in college. We'll get to someone, by the way, at the end of this episode or towards the middle, uh, who's at the end of his second year of college, who you might see in a black and gold jersey uh, or with the black and gold very soon. We'll get to that uh, in a bit. First, though, this weekend, two huge uh, opponents. Connor, my guess is most Bruins beat listeners also listen to poke the bear. I don't know why you wouldn't basically the same show. <laughs> we do the same thing. What are you talking about?
0: <laughs> we do the same thing in why both. You ta- why, why, are you, why are you letting in on state secrets, Evan?
1: I'm giving away state secrets here. But my guess is most of you also listen to Poke the Bear. And if you don't, you should. You should do that. That would be a good idea for you to do. Uh, but on that show, uh, we talked about uh, last Friday, we talked about um, this upcoming, this past weekend. Uh, how much stock you taking into it? Because it was a kind of a trap weekend. Get the lightning at one o'clock at home, then you go right to Carolina for a five o'clock game the next day. You're not great in Carolina to begin with, and the Bruins come away with two wins: shootout win, close win against the the Lightning the day before. Um, and I'm going to stick with my take of I'm not going to take a lot from it. There's not a, you know I'm not going to. I think our take was more we're not going to freak out if things don't go the Bruins' way, but things did go the Bruins' way, and they really shouldn't have gone their way. I mean, you were missing uh, Bergeron, Marchand. And Lindholm in that game against Carolina. A lot of people, I tweeted that out, a lot of people were like, what about Felino and Hall and Forbert? And I'm like, guys, I know they're out too. But this is this is a one-off game that those three, the the three I mentioned were out. So let's take a deep breath. Um, but did you have any big takeaways from this weekend?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously you get four points against teams like Tampa and Carolina. I think it's just another, uh, you know, feathering your cap in terms of just it's part of the course with how this team's going, right? It doesn't make anything's deterring them. Um, but I, I think we we touched on it during Poke the Bear. I think especially that Carolina game, uh, we view that as if you give them a good match, you, you get a one point out of it, what have you. You're at least making competitive down at PNC Arena. I think that's the last little hurdle this team needed to clear in terms of just having that that confidence boost of like, all right, you probably have to go back down here in Raleigh at some point, potentially this postseason, like – place has been a house of horrors for them for years now. I mean, I think they've lost – before Sunday, they lost six straight games here by a combined score of 25-7. to seven. Not great. And, again, it's a new year. It's a team that has not been, you know, knocked down by adversity um, at all. But still, to get that mental hurdle out of going into a place like PNC Arena and coming away with a win like that in, in the fashion that they did, right, where it's uh, – you really kind of dominate the first 40 minutes of play. You're obviously without a couple of guys in the lineup Carolina surges back as expected, and then you're able to have the medal to kind of, uh, you know, eke out two points there. I think, you know, it's not like it, it's the a season-defining win or anything like that, but I think for this team that has checked off, I think every single box you want, right? Like, it, the last thing I think they really have to account for is power play and just keep on prescribing rest for guys. To finally go down to Carolina uh, and beat a team in their own building like that, I think it's the last – Test, I guess, if you want to say this team needed to, to check off before they start getting ready for the postseason. So, again, it's not a season-defining win by any means, but another feather in the cap for a team that a whole lot has gone right for them, most of it by their own doing.
1: Yeah, the Sunday game was most impressive just because they were missing those guys. And i I'll also say this, you know, beginning of that third period, as you said, Hurricanes surged back, score two goals, you know, like this. Tie game. Easy spot where the Bruins could have had a little bit of a letdown, continued... Carolina ends up scoring, you know, four goals in the third and wins the game pretty easily. But I'll give a lot of credit to Jim Montgomery, who a lot of people have kind of, you know, wondered, hey, what's how, what's, his, what's his mark on this team, Ben, aside from just, you know, a better culture? Calls that timeout after those two goals. Resets, you can see him on the bench, kind of, you know, he, he held it. It was not a game plan type, you know, timeout. That was a, hey, we need a second, you know, let's get this together here. You see it. They go out, they held their lead for the rest of the third, had some good chances there as well, had a good overtime, thought they were going to score a number of times, they somehow didn't, and then they win it in the shootout, which by the way, credit to Jake DeBrusque, who, it's funny, I was sitting watching the game with my friends and I said, watch, he's going to come in and go the typical high blocker that movie, he always does it. And he started to look like he was doing it, and he kind of went the other side, went top club. So, again, to me, what was a lot, you know, very impressive about that game was, Montgomery's handling of that situation. Cause that could have got away from them quickly. Again, you're without, as I said, Marshan and Bergeron and Lindholm, you're down in Carolina. Carolina's a hungry team. They want to prove themselves. They don't, you know, this is like not quite the level of this, but when they were beating the Leafs many years ago, when, um, when Leafs had a Zamboni driver in net, the other team wants to be like, Hey, we can't, we can't be losing this team when they don't have those guys. Um, and again, I think they just, they pulled through the other big thing. Uh, on Sunday, 50 goals for David Posternock, 50 goals, 51 after uh, the game ended, but scores is 50th. We both said he would score well over 50. I was going back and trying to find the clip so we could take victory laps. Um, I couldn't quite find it, but I'm like 99.99999% sure that we set it before the season. Um, very easy decision. That, that was not a hard, that was not like a hot take either. That was, I think everyone knew it was a huge season uh, coming for him.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. I and mean, you look at just the returning cast that comes back. The fact that you have David Krejci back there, um, you know, regardless of where he's in the line, I think Pasternak is going to produce. It's not like that one timer is you know losing any any force in terms of what what he brings. Like his game itself is more than anything, it's probably just continuing to evolve and get better. I think you look at just how much his game has changed from maybe when he first started in the league when he was more of a. Uh, wrist, wrist shot deacon dangle kind of guy he still has it obviously but that that you know patented one-timer he yeah, has it adds a whole new dimension to his overall game so again were we surprised that pausanois hit 50 goals no but for you know i think it's something he talked about post-game uh it's something that he's not taking for granted right you look at where he was a few years ago when he had 48 goals in what 70 games and all of a sudden COVID happened not to say that he was expecting. A cataclysmic <laughs> pandemic to happen again. But,
1: once in a, gener- in a in a hundred year yeah, pandemic. But,
0: but but you can never know, right? In terms of situations where uh, a whole lot can go wrong with injury or, or what have you. So I think for him to finally get over that, you know, that scoring hump to put himself in the same class with guys like you know Neely and Esposito and Middleton and Hodge, you know, all these guys that um, are legends and you know Pasta you know, well on his way to being in that same company if he's not already there, honestly. But um, Good for him to finally hit that milestone, and I i don't think it's a a, a wild, hot take Evan, to say that he's probably going to have a couple more 50 goals uh, campaigns on the horizon. I don't, think that, I don't think we're really stretching there.
1: No, and with the money they're paying him, I think they kind of expect it. That's you know, you also would, true. You would hope. But I also say, like, the fact that he puts up 50 goals this, this season in this generation of hockey is incredibly impressive to put up 50. I know some other guys in the league, Rantanen, uh, McDavid, obviously, Dreisaitl, are kind of around that and not make sense, but it just, it it's very impressive. You know, you mentioned Neely and Esposito and those guys, Middleton, Uh, but to do it in this generation, to do it now is just so freaking impressive. And to do it in the variety of ways that he does. And also that's an easy game for him on, on Sunday where you're without, you know, Bergeron and and, and Martian, and obviously you have David Krejci um, down the middle still, but you know, you can kind of... You would no one would go against him. It was like, oh, he had a tough game in that one, you know. Uh, then what are you going to do? Um, but to have the two goals he did and to be the the, the commanding presence that he was um, was 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 pretty huge. The other thing, I'll go back to um, Saturday's game and even a little bit on Sunday. The standing up for each other. This was another thing we talked about on Poke the Bear. Uh, guys not taking any shit. Jeremy Swain. Jeremy Swain wants to fight so bad, you can tell. Just dying. He's like a guy at the bar who you know accidentally bump into you and then go, "What's your problem?" Yeah, what's what, mm. up outside? Like he's at that point now where he's just like.
0: So, you, so you, you at the last drop.
1: Yeah, that's definitely me. Yes, that is me yeah. just bumping into folks saying, you want, you, you're going to play that on touch tunes. Take it outside. All right. Let's, all right. We're going to put you in your place. Mm-hmm. Um, But he wants, he wants something. You can tell. Uh, but you even see McAvoy, I mean, I know he negated a Tyler Bertuzzi goal, who, by the way, poor Bertuzzi. I mean, at this point, should have so many more goals. That they're just finding ways for him to score and for it not to count. Um, But, you know, it takes him down. And then you see the game against the Lightning. Hathaway fights Maroon. Laukos uh, tackling Ross Colton. Um, And it, they just have that feel of a playoff team. I know this is, like, obvious, but the, that feel... We talked about this a little bit on Poke the Bear. But, you know, past teams didn't feel like they had that edge to them that this team does
0: yeah no i I think when you look at it right it's not like as we said the game has changed so much even over the span of 10 plus years that like you know this team isn't going to harken back to like the 2010-11 Bruins nor are really any teams these days going to do that (laughs) where it's just like we're going to physically dominate you all 60 minutes but i think you look at this team it's Almost kind of like Tampa, right? Where, yes, you look at Tampa and their success, and, of course, they've got the star talent in net, we have got Hedman, Kucherov, Stamkos, and all those guys. But they can kind of play in a variety of different ways. They can beat you 7-5, to five, or they can win one nothing in a grind-out kind of slugfest, right? You look at just at least the last couple of years, and they had a lot more depth, uh, that ability, where they have guys like Coleman and Barkley Goudreau and Yanni Gordy these guys that are pains in the asses to play against that, you know, whether it's uh, dropping other guys on the forecheck, responding when things get rough. Um, you look at their decor that makes it a challenge every time you want to bring the puck into great A ice. Like, those are the things that I think in today's NHL are of value and go a long way, especially over the course of multiple seven-game series where it's, you know, it's something that Dmitry Orlov kind of talked about with Garnet Hathaway, why he's so effective. It's not just the, the uh, you know, the... Bone crushing, you know, check or what have you. It's the fact that it's like constant, right? It's the constant forechecking, checking, the constant hitting against the glass that adds up for a defenseman. You, you deal with it the first time in game one, the juices are flowing. Game five, when you're aching, you've got a whole bunch of injuries and it keeps on coming, you keep on getting hit into the boards by a guy like Hathaway, drives you nuts, we- wears on you over the, the course of a series. So I think you look at just the ways that hockey's evolved in terms of um, finding those guys that can play with like that speed skill, um, and grit, they have so many guys that can answer the bell in that regard. So, yeah, I think you look at just, of course, like the star powers there, the secondary scoring has taken huge strides forward. The defense is great. Goaltending, we all know how great that's been. But I think you look at just the personnel and the skills that they have all throughout the lineup, you have more guys that can, um, you know, push back when needed, which, again, is going to come in the postseason.
1: Which is going to help a lot. And again, it's just an an added element to this team alongside its depth, skill, good goaltending, good defense, everything that it, the teams that play the Bruins uh, have to face. Again, I don't know who's beating the Bruins over a course of seven games. That's a conversation, though, that will push out towards the playoffs. Now, I teased it a little bit at the beginning of the show. I've been checking my phone quite a bit, waiting to see when that tweet notification might pop up. Uh, It has not happened yet at 2.30 on Monday, Uh, but Mason Lowry uh, was um, the uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes, as you said, were taken out uh, in the second round uh, of the NCAA tournament. Talking hockey, of course, not March Madness. We wouldn't really care about that in terms of the Bruins. Uh, Mason Lowry, though, had quite the game against Harvard. Though, my goodness, yeah. um, that was a drubbing, I don't, and no one saw that coming. Uh, you just look no. at that first day of games; um, it was like thirty-two to two. It was just it was ridiculous. Awful. Like, it, yeah, very games.
0: Considering how uh, how close the NCAA tournament usually is, bonkers in terms, especially a lot of those Big Ten teams just obliterating opponents so.
1: wipe the floor I almost know this is a college hockey rant I'm not really worried I know some people were saying like oh is this bad for college hockey it's one year every year the games are wicked close like it's every year this is the this is a one-off type year I don't think this is there's no reason to worry um about anything but Mason Lowry though had quite the gaming it's Harvard he had quite the season uh again recovering from the hit from his uh knee injury that he had uh last summer um now he's done his two years He's done two years in college. Uh, I know the feeling among lots is that he'll probably end up signing with the Bruins at the end of this uh, season. Maybe he goes back. But again, I think the the odds are pretty much in his favor of, of, um, of signing. Um, that's a huge addition. And that's going to be an interesting, interesting guy to see develop. He credits Adam McQuaid. He's done that a lot uh, with how good McQuaid's been in his development um, at Ohio State and kind of giving him advice as time rolls along. And I think a lot of people are wondering, you know, can he step in and make an immediate impact? Um, I think it's tough. Maybe he gets a game or two at the end of the season. But I I don't know, Connor. What do you think?
0: yeah. Nah- I feel like it's a little bit skeptical in terms of just how much, you know, runway he's going to have, especially I think you just look at just the way this team is built. Um, Again, maybe he has a game or two, but even then he's a guy that I'm curious to just how he adapts, you know, first to the um, AHL level first. Like you, again, we've talked about Laura, like countless times before, like how unique of a prospect he is. I mean, he's like, you know, floor, he is a probably third pairing power play specialist kind of guy, which when you look at just his frame as well, very unique player. Like high end, what is he like John Carlson, right? Like in terms of just like that, that you don't see defensemen who are, you know, six four plus that have his skating and his puck play and all those things that make him such a unique player. Um, but that being said, a lot of those guys often need some time to adjust to the next level, right? I mean, it's defensemen usually have the the longest kind of learning curve or development curve once they get to that next level. So uh and I think it's kind of a luxury for the Bruins, right? This isn't like Charlie McAvoy in twenty seventeen where it's like Hey, thanks for signing. Uh, go go up against Eric Carlson, like. And again, there's some guys that probably relish <laughs> that opportunity, but the Bruins have the luxury of you know not needing to accelerate these guys beyond what their their current uh, timeline is. It sounded kind of like, like you look at the inverse of that was like Jake DeBrus spent a whole season down in Providence and really really benefited from it in terms of adjusting for a full year. It's like when you don't need to rush guys up here. Um, it often tends to benefit some of these prospects so maybe he does get a game uh, I'd like to, hopefully if he signs he, he gives them you know seven eight games in Providence and you know gets that under his feet but um, still I, I think you just look at adding him to the system is an exciting thing because as you know we've talked about before that even in the post Bergeron era this is still a very very good foundation to build around and if you still have guys like Lorai and Lysel and like even Matthew Poitras having a really really good year in the OHL like as much as this pipeline is barren, I'm not saying like, oh, Bruins should have a top 10 prospect system. They do have a few guys that um, could, you know, make an impact in short order. And if you're the Bruins, you need those guys to fill into a few of those spots uh, in the years ahead.
1: You know, you mentioned uh, Lori being a uh, third pairing power play specialist. And when I look ahead to next year, they have... Some cap issues. They are not, not going to be in great standing with the cap. They're going to have to be some casualties, uh, most likely this offseason. Obviously, Evan Gold and Don Sweeney, two of the very best at handling the cap. So I assume they're going to pull out some tricks and do some cap gymnastics, as they always seem to do. Um, but is there a chance that Somehow they feel confident enough in Lowry that they can say, hey, maybe this makes a guy like Matt Groszak expendable um, next season where, you know, you can deal him for a pick if you'd like to or something like that. I'm curious if that might be an option. Now, it doesn't feel like there's enough time in Providence uh, for Lowry to have where they can comfortably say, hey, we can trade Grizzlick and Lowry can step in next year and that's going to be that. But maybe there's some form of, you know there'll be a platoon or there just won't be, you know, they won't fill Grusick spot immediately, but the the idea being, Hey, low is going to be the cheaper version of him.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think it's the same with you look at some of this depth on like the, the bottom six where a guy like Lauko who's been fantastic this year, could step into uh, another role next year. It's just like the natural thing that I think a team that's in the process of refueling their roster needs to do. So um, yeah, if it's a guy like Lowry who steps in next year, or the years ahead, like those are the spots that again, Rather than re-sign a guy who's 30 years old to a new contract, you um, you know, sometimes the more proven you do is add through the system and having a guy like Laura. if he's added in there and he's playing at a high level at, you know, under a million his first couple of years or, you know, 1.5 million on like a rookie deal, that's what you got to do, right, in order to stay cap compliant. Because again, Bruins have a... uh, a lot of financial decisions to make in the coming years. They probably have to shed some money just in order to retain some of these key pieces on this on this roster. So, if in the next year or so you have guys like Lori or Fabian Lysel stepping into a middle six spot, like that's what you need to do in order to you know remain cap compliant while still fielding a very competitive roster.
1: Speaking of players, by the way, next year who could make an impact, Oscar Steen, good game against Carolina on Sunday, was effective, served his role, did a good job. Uh, that's a guy who potentially next year could be a candidate. I don't think this year he's going to see much of I mean, his depth in the playoffs if you've like really needed him. But next season, if he's in your bottom six, that's fine, right? With the way the cap is, I, you know, I think that's a solid option. What do you think?
0: Yeah, exactly. I think you look at a guy like Steen. um, You know, it's. I think when you look at the bottom six, as much as like you look at like even guys like Hathaway um, and how valued they are. And again, he's been fantastic with the Bruins. You look at just the number of options they have there, whether it's Lauco, Steen, Mark McLaughlin, who I think a lot of people were shocked didn't even make a a spot out of camp because he was fantastic there. And um, they will have no shortage of I think guys that can follow Johnny Beecher. Bottom six, Johnny Beecher, right? Like there's just so many guys that can step in there. So the Bruins, um, again, it's an arduous undertaking to replace a Berger or a Krejci down the middle. Like, again, no shit. But in terms of, you know, filling the rest <laughs> of the lineup, uh, the rest of the roster, um, they do have guys that, you know, can step into roles. Like, and again, it's it's always tough when you map out the progression of a prospect because if you ask, I think probably a lot of people entering the season, you're like, Lauko, you know, he's had a few shots up here. Like, he's been solid in spurts, but, you know, what, is, is, is he going to get pushed out as a 2018 draft pick for a guy like Beecher or other guy that's maybe newer into the system. And what do you know, Lauco, since he's been up here, every game he's up there, he's making an impact, making the most of it. So, um, I think a good lesson in terms of, you know, it's not always the prudent move to just, you know, sum up a, a prospect's career off of maybe what they've shown in the last year or two. Um, every year is kind of a new slate. And I'm sure next year when the Bruins are fielding a new roster and they're looking for other guys to step in, whether it's Lauco or many other guys, steam, um, there'll be plenty of guys that'll be lining up there for that opportunity once camp opens.
1: A lot of opportunity, but again, that's next year. This is this year. Lots, lots to talk about. Uh, And Connor, lots to write about as well. What can people look forward to from you over at boston.com?
0: Yeah, we're going to have you covered every step of the way with uh, game recaps, columns, features, breakdowns, all that stuff over at boston.com. So uh, please follow all of our stuff over at boston.com. Again, we cover everything that's happening in Boston sports So not. Just the Bruins. Celtics are on a roll now before they start their playoff run. Uh, Patriots, Patriots in their offseason. Red Sox starting up uh, this week as well. So we'll have you covered every step of the way. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Connor Ryan underscore 93.
1: Go do all that. And remember, subscribe to New England Hockey Journal. That is Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Bruins beat listeners. Have a great rest of your week. <laughs>